Hi everyone, welcome to my podcast. Uh, such a joy to have you join me. Uh, today, I'm privileged to have a newfound friend who's just agreed to jump into the studio with me to get this done. And I'm excited about the prospect of the kind of discussions that we'll be able to have. Um, how do you keep your faith on fire for God and for the purpose of his kingdom? after you have been blessed of God. You know, even in the Bible, uh, God warned people severally uh, that when you have eaten and you're full, when your bands are full, when you've made a lot of money, don't forget the Lord your God. Now, I mentor a lot of entrepreneurs and I realize that when people start to do so well, uh, they, they become overcome by uh, the the wealth, the influence, and everything, and you start to struggle uh, with them as regards the issue of their faith. Uh, you may say, oh, PG, I'm not one of such people. But the real issue is when you become one of such people who's made money, are you still going to have a heart for God? Is the purpose of God still going to be your overriding motivation? That's what we're looking at today and uh, a few other things that I believe will interest you. Uh, so it's good to have uh, Henry Kessner on, on my podcast today. He's a founder of faith-driven entrepreneurs and faith-driven investors. Uh, Henry is a serial entrepreneur who started uh, a number of companies and one of his, the companies he started is quoted in the U.S. You know, on the stock exchange, doing great even up till now. Henry, it's good to have you on, on my podcast. It's a great pleasure with my new friend, PG. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. So, Henry, t- tell me a little bit about uh, your faith journey yeah. and your uh, journey as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, so, my faith journey, I came to faith at age 28. So, I'm an adult convert. I worked on Wall Street, which is all about money, success, and fame, and got trapped into that, and yet... I came to understand that it didn't deliver happiness. So through the grace of God and a little bit of intellectual curiosity on my part that God had put in me to draw him to me, my wife and I went and checked out a church. And that's how we came to understand that there's a God who loves us and had purpose for us in the marketplace. So before you got saved, you were already on Wall Street. You were already making money and uh, doing great. Yeah. And uh, out of curiosity, just looking for something bigger than you, you Indeed. find God. Yeah, it's the proverbial God-shaped hole. And you bring up such an important point about the challenges of being wealthy or having being blessed with financial success and what that means for somebody who's driven by their faith. And I think that one of the things that's super important to play out in my life is, number one, is to understand it's actually really hard. When Jesus talks about it being harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, yeah. it's hyperbole. But it's meant to say that actually it can be really hard because scripture also tells us the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches can otherwise hold us back from having the type of riches with God that we might otherwise have. And so number one is just to be conscious of the fact that it can be really hard. And absent God's grace, His word and time and prayer and Christian accountability were really sunk. Another thing I think has been really helpful for me in this journey is to come to understand actually that God owns it all. It's not mine to begin with. That helps immeasurably. 
And then a practical thing that might help some of your listeners and your congregants and the people here in Nigeria is to think through what it might it look like if we were able to achieve a good amount of financial success with our business in the future. Establishing a financial finish line before we hit there makes it a lot easier. Gosh, it's harder when we have all the trappings of wealth and then to ratchet it back and bring our lifestyle back down. So it's so much so, easier so, in advance. So if you hold it there, what you're saying is I should go ahead of myself and think about uh, the kind of money that I will make in the future if I'm uh, a budding entrepreneur, uh, a young person who is just starting to make money and to be able to say, um, how do I get to the point where notwithstanding the amount of money that I make, it will not change who I am or change the fact that I'm a child of God and my heart is supposed to be burning for God. How, how do you, how did you, get to that point where you, be, you you know you became resolute yeah that I'm gonna make money but yeah. it's not gonna change who I am. Yeah. yeah. Well if I'm honest it's a constant struggle, right? Because um, I need to have my identity in Christ and a beloved child of God, not in my financial success, the success that might happen from the different enterprises I have. Um, I'm lost though if I don't spend time in God's word. Fortunately there are an infinite number of passages about money and ownership in God's Word. So if I'm starting off in God's Word and I understand how much He loves me and that's my identity, and then I have a godly perspective of money, that's the best start. But beyond that, um, I need accountability. I need to be able to open up my life and my finances to my closest friends who also know God and know that the trappings of wealth might otherwise distract me from the real work into God's kingdom. Now, if I can see the financial blessings that God has given me as an opportunity to co-create with Him, and that He's inviting me into this work of deploying the resources He's entrusted me as a steward, now I'm invited into a joy that's much better than a beach house or a boat. It's something that delivers much happiness because I've tried it in other ways. I've had second homes. I've had lots of different toys. And I'm an investor by trade. And I've come to understand that the concept of pattern recognition, that when I spend my money on things that might be the trappings of wealth, it delivers some satisfaction to be clear, but it's hollow next to taking the, that wealth that God has entrusted me with and participating in the work that he's doing in the kingdom. That gives me a sense of joy and peace and being in line with God's purpose in my life that is real riches. Well, you know, Henry, thank you for that. But you know, some people feel like uh, when you don't have certain amount of money, that's when you think that, oh, there's, there's some things that money cannot fix. Uh, like, I see money, you know, is an answer to all things. Though the scripture mm -hmm. says money answers all things, but not in the real sense of it, because there's some things that you can't buy with money. Like you talk about, the joy of being saved, the peace of mind and all. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just needed to, without, you know, not like I wanted to blow your own trumpet too much, but if you blow it, Christ will be glorified, right? What kind of uh, success have you seen in your entrepreneurial journey? Uh, such that someone who is watching this or listening to yeah. us will know that what we're talking about is not just or somebody started a small business and made a small amount of money. 
because somebody may be listening to you, especially from my old client, yeah. who, who thinks that, oh, maybe it's a small money we're talking about. That's why it didn't affect your mind oh. and you didn't go crazy. Yeah. So yeah. tell me, how did you feel when Bandwidth uh, became a quoted company and now you, you're making millions of dollars? How did I feel? Yeah. I felt, uh, well, I felt grateful to God that he gave an opportunity for us to be a part of a, a story that was successful. I felt grateful that by having access to the public markets, it gave us an opportunity to grow the business and serve that many more people. I felt grateful that those who had journeyed alongside us for the 17 years of our company before we were in public had an opportunity to get a great return on their investment. And it was really gratifying to see them be able to realize some financial wealth and to be rewarded for the trust that they placed in us. I also felt a sense of responsibility, which is how do I steward the wealth that God has entrusted us with, with bandwidth, but then the other companies that we started out of that too, some of which are still private. It's a, it's a feeling of real responsibility and tension. Um, but yes, I feel, I feel grateful. I guess that's how I feel. I feel grateful and yet sobered because I've seen so many other friends, people I know, maybe I wanna call them friends, people that I know that have gone public or sold the private companies for cash or whatever the case is and gone liquid and they've gone off the rails. In fact, I had an early investor that invested in bandwidth who said, never go liquid, never go liquid. Every single person I know that has achieved very real significant financial wealth has lost their way so always stay private. And that was really sobering for me. Now, as it turns out, we went liquid, but what we try to do is just to say, what's our plan for that? If God blesses us materially, and to be clear, he did, what are we gonna do with that when that happens? And so we had, to be clear, we had 17 years to think about it. Because you set the, some goals ahead of time, uh, as in you're thinking about. Well, part this... of it was a sense of, just this right sense of who owned it, so while, uh, so while many millions of dollars came into my name, so to speak, I didn't have, oh, let me tell you a story. This is, a, this is something, so I, I told you in my, uh, my faith story, I came to faith at 28. At age 38, I, uh, bandwidth was starting to do well. And while we hadn't gone public yet, we we're starting to make a lot of money, okay? And so we started giving some more money away. And there's some local charities that we were involved in. We started a local charity. And I met this friend of mine, a guy named Daryl Heald. And Daryl came in and he heard about all the different things that we got a chance to do with our resources. At the time, Kimberly and I were giving away about 20% of our net income. And I thought, you know what? Probably a place in heaven for the double tither. I don't know what it looks like, but I'm gonna get something. I never said that exactly, but maybe in the back of my mind, I almost was acting like that. He asked me this question after listening patiently to things we're involved in. He asked me a simple question, Henry, why do you give? And at the time, I think I mumbled through something that was theologically like C minus. I might even said, oh, I, don't, I, want it, I want to pay it for it or something like that. But it seemed that in scripture every day since then, you know, I, when I came to faith, I understood the importance of being in God's word every day. It seemed that every day from that point over the next six months, everything I read had something to do with money. And there are passages even that ostensibly didn't have to do with money. God taking, Jesus taking five loaves and two fish and feeding 5,000, which helped me to understand that God actually doesn't need my money. He wants my heart. He had that boy, the boy who gave all that he had, he had 100% of his heart. 
And I realized, PG, that at that time, God had 20% of my heart. I felt like I owned 80%. He owned 20%. 80% is for me and my toys. I'll give 20%, right? God used his word in a gent in gentle way to help me to understand that he owned it all. And he was inviting me into something much greater than anything I otherwise would have spent the 80% on. And, and I'm telling you, it sounds cliche, but he really did invite me into the real riches. And so now when I participate with all that I have, and to be clear, my, my, there's food on the table, my kids go to, to uh, nice schools, and I drive a reasonable car, right? It, we haven't taken a vow of poverty. And yet, I do have a very clear understanding that God owns it all. But I haven't given up any joy. I get more by taking the money he's blessed me with and using it to invest in his ministries. And what a joy that comes from that, really, when Amen. You, you feel that sense of fulfillment that you're playing your part as a child of God uh, rather than consuming everything on yourself. And, and by the way, I, I just needed to know that uh, this kind of perspective uh, is, is not very common with many people who have been blessed with real wealth. Uh, because wealth has a way of just getting into your head and affects how you behave. Uh, and uh, we, in our part of the world, uh, we're trusting God to uh, be able to, you know, raise many more people who uh, we see generosity as a nature of God, not something to show off with, and be able to be better stewards of what God has given them. Yeah, yeah. Well, so thank God for revealing that to us and your audience. Yeah. So Henry, um, um, I needed to speak to an experience where your faith really came to bear in how you resolved an issue. Maybe you had there was a serious issue to resolve in business, or you had a downward trend. You didn't meet your expectation, or yeah. something failed, and you 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 leverage your faith in yeah. Christ to yeah. pull through the situation. Yeah, what I think... What was that like? Uh, well, uh, dozens and dozens of times. I mean, if you are in business for as long as I have, I, uh, I'm 52, I know I look much younger than that. But I've been in business for a while, and you have many, many experiences where God will take you through the valley of, of shadow of death. I mean, it's, it can be very, very real and very, very challenging. A couple of things I think of. Um, uh, number one, um, you know, our business was started on the principles of faith first, then family, then work, and then fitness. We're in the data communications business, and one of the things that if you have values like that, you want to make sure you do business with the right type of customers. So we didn't do any business with spammers. We didn't do any business with people in the pornography, the adult entertainment business. Yeah. Okay. So the biggest, when we were starting off, we were expanding and we had a really low amount of cash. We weren't very successful in raising money. I'll tell, tell, tell you about that in a second. At a point in time where we had the lowest cash balance, we closed the biggest deal we'd ever closed. It was a big OC3 circuit, which is a very large data circuit. And I remember how it felt when we closed that deal because my business partner, my best friend, David Morgan, gave me a high five. And I still remember the sting in my hands from that. Well, as you might imagine, because I'm telling the story, it ended up being for the bad guys. It was sold in the name of a holding company. But when we went to provision the circuit, we found out it was for the adult entertainment business. And that was a tough time. It was a question of how do we handle this? And it wasn't so much about whether we go ahead and provision the deal. We couldn't. Our values were about faith first and then family. We couldn't compromise our values. 
But how do we treat the sales rep who closed the deal, who is expecting a commission check? And in that case, what we ended up doing is we ended up paying a commission check to the sales rep who'd worked and done everything we trained them to do. I'll tell you that from that point in time on, God blessed our business and the business became successful. And so being faithful, and it doesn't mean, now God would still have loved us and we still would have an opportunity to be faithful and obedient, even if the business didn't do well after that. And yet I do feel that experience and God blessing us as we endeavored as, as fallen as we are to try to honor him. The other time I think of is that fundraising. We tried to raise money. We went 0 for 40, 0 for 40 in fundraising. Kept on knocking our head against the wall. And actually, when I think back at that time, I think about the time, I think about the, just the heart perspective I had. We were being willful rather than faithful. We'd pray before we walk into a meeting that we'd raise money, but we never fasted and prayed about why we should raise money anyway. And I'm so grateful that God in His infinite mercy allowed us to not raise money because we would have blown it. And I don't even know if the business would have succeeded. And so that's a good lesson that I learned is that try to be faithful, also, try not to be willful. So many times when I've made mistakes, when things have been really, really hard, if I look back, my heart, I was willful. Interesting. Thank you. Thank you for, for sharing that. So, uh, I mean, basically, we, we stay faithful. Faithful to our values, faithful to our belief system, faithful to what God is, is telling us. Uh, and we stay close enough to God to be able to hear Him uh, so that He can we can easily get out of situations because God knows the way through the wilderness of life. Yes. And uh, sometimes when you are having a wilderness experience, yeah. your compass, you don't have yeah. a compass. Yeah. <laughs> because you, you don't know how to come out of that situation. Then you have to lean on God as your compass. Or be able to tell you, go north or go south. Don't do this or do that. And then uh, you come out of the situation. Uh, thank you for your resilience because now we can share the story uh, and it sounds simple but I know that it wasn't that simple coming out of all those kind of situations. Alright, so what, what, what would you say Henry for my listeners who live in very tough economic terrains like all around Africa, Southeast Asia and different parts of the world uh, where they, they, I mean even in, in, in in the West and in Europe, but not America, the economy is getting a bashing everywhere. Sure. Uh, entrepreneurs in some industries are getting a bit frustrated. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you internalize it wrongly. Maybe I have a problem. Maybe I'm not thinking right. Or, you know, it just looks like everything is coming at you. Yeah. Uh, as an entrepreneur, when you get into such a situation where uh, the economy is against you, yeah. Uh, uh, the industry is going down and you're thinking, should I jump out of this industry or still stay yeah. there? As a faith-driven entrepreneur, how, how sh should you internalize that? How did you internalize such situations? Well, let me speak to the Africa piece first. Yeah. I think that uh, we should, well, count as pure joy, brothers, whenever you go through trials. Um, but uh, the, that's, a, that's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is that uh, God placed us and the African entrepreneurs listening to this in Africa for such a time as this. When I think about the vibrancy in the marketplace in Nigeria, when I think about the, the youth and the, the entrance into the job market and the opportunities that are here, the, the, the chance to be something that's so formative that impacts an entire continent and a legacy 
behind Africa is so incredible. So I would challenge and encourage your listeners that might say, gosh, it must be really easy to be in, in Silicon Valley or Dallas or New York or some other place like that. And gosh, God's got me here instead. Oh my goodness. To the, the privilege of being in a place where God is so clearly aware. That's why I'm here. If I thought all the cool things were happening in Silicon Valley, I would have stayed there. But there's a magnificent move of God here in Africa, in Nigeria. It's incredible for the faith-driven entrepreneur to think of themselves as worthy by God for such a time as this. And His infinite sovereignty at this pivotal time in Nigeria's future, He has chosen these men and women to be a part of His work, bringing about His kingdom under His power for His glory. Wow, that's super exciting. Now, if we can do it in His Word, in Christian community, we have a chance of being used by Him for something really successful. That's great. Great. Thank you for that. That sounds very encouraging. Good. Good. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you for that. So, uh, as we start to, to, to wrap this up, two things I wanted to do. One, can you talk to my listeners about faith-driven enterprises? That's the ministry. Sure that you now oversee, you started it, you're the founder. Uh, what's this about and why should an entrepreneur listening to us consider being a part of that movement? Thank you for asking. So I'm going to look at your listener while I'm saying this. Yeah. Faith Driven Entrepreneur is a movement focused on encouraging and equipping faith driven entrepreneurs like you that want to be part of what God is doing in the world. We talk about the call to create and our identity in Christ as part of the content that we have and bringing together great stories from around the world of how God is working through entrepreneurs. And then we bring together a community of 12 to 15 people in a cohort going through a foundations group over eight weeks so we can wrestle through the things, the same questions we're having about money and success and fame and, and how to do our products and, and just how to think about channels to market, etc. You get to do in a Christian community and facilitate a conversation with great stories and great teaching with your peers. And so that's what Faith Driven Entrepreneur is about. It's about content and community. You can find out more by going to africa.faithdrivenentrepreneur.org or the global site, which is faithdrivenentrepreneur.org. You can learn about the different uh, groups that are out there. We have more than 550 volunteer facilitators around the world. And some of the great ones are right here in this church at Elevation. We've got about a dozen or all throughout Lagos, and God is doing something really, really special in that. And if we have a chance to serve you, we'd love to. It's very important also to mention there's no cost to this. There's no catch. It's about a movement of God among his people through volunteers like yourself, leading groups, exploring God's word together and what he's doing in the market. Thank you, Henry. Let's talk about, uh, uh, quickly, yeah. the, the, the faith-driven investor which is a new movement sure. that is evolving. Uh, you are an investor yourself, uh, sovereign capital. Sovereign's capital. Yeah. Sovereign's capital. Talk about sovereign's capital. You, 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 you said you've invested or you have uh, like $400 million in investment, something like that. Yeah. And um, you're investing in a certain part of the world right now. Uh, how is that with you? And how do you want to challenge other people who want to be investors or who are investors yeah. uh, to also invest right or be fit driven in their investing? 
Sure. So like Faith-Driven Entrepreneur is about content and community equipment and power of Faith-Driven Entrepreneurs. Faith-Driven Investor does something very, very similar through content and community among those of us that have been entrusted with wealth distorted for God's glory. So we come together in community and we look at great teaching and stories from people like Tim Keller and Andy Crouch about the identity of an investor. And as we try to understand, what does it look like to steward investment capital? Not just philanthropic capital, which is incredibly important as we give, but how might we steward investment capital in a way that advances God's glory? And it could be through venture capital, angel investing, uh, it could be through public markets, but in the, against this context and this reality that every investment has an impact. So what is ours? God is inviting us into the work that he's doing in the world through our investment assets. And there's an awakening that's going on in the world to participate in that. And what I think about that and as it pertains to Nigeria, what an incredible opportunity for us in the church that have been blessed with resources to come in and invest our intellectual capital, our emotional capital, our spiritual capital, and yes, our financial capital, in young men and women that are launching businesses and how we can come around them in community with excellence to help them to persevere, to know God through their business, to make a product or service that is redemptive, to endeavor to love on their partners, their vendors, customers, employees. That happens when we have a healthy ecosystem of people that are willing to put some real skin in the game, if you will, alongside these entrepreneurs with our investment capital, not just our philanthropic capital. That's what we explore with faith-driven investor groups. Thank you, thank you. And I'm looking forward to many more people within my climb jumping on that, you yeah. know, that movement and investing right and you know, doing the right thing with money and being good stewards of uh, what God has given them. Indeed. So, so lastly, as, as we wrap up, I want you to, your final word, uh, I want you to speak to the subject of leadership. Okay. Yeah, because my podcast is mostly on leadership, but yeah. today we're talking about money. Sure. In, you know, and all that. But, um, we, the world is at a time where leadership is become tough. Yeah. Yeah. And people who run businesses, entrepreneurs and all, have to run organizations. Yeah. So they, they, they won't uh, only be good entrepreneurs and good investors, they have to be good leaders. Yes. Yeah, who have a knack for excellence, for strategy, for following through, you know, and all that. But the world is in a state, a dark street. Yes. How do you lead in chaos? How do you lead in uncertainty? Well, I'll take a page out of your book. The best chance we have of being a successful leader is to understand that no matter how successful we are, it's not about us. It's understanding that we are being used by God in the market. He has us in a place and we're stewarding the opportunity that he has given us. And when we understand that our identity isn't being the leader of a Fortune 500 company or a super successful investor or fill in the blanks, but as a beloved child of God, that when God sees us, he doesn't see a Wall Street tycoon or a really successful entrepreneur. He sees his son. We have a chance of being a successful leader when the reality that God loved us so much that as messed up as I am, as, much, as messed up as most leaders are, that God died for us so we might spend eternity with him. If that sinks in, and to the degree that it sinks in, we have an opportunity to be a great leader. But when it becomes about us, then 
pride comes before the fall, and we see that in the business community, and we see that in the spiritual community. It's only through the grace of God and understanding how much He loves us that we have an opportunity to lead well. Thank you very much, Harry. Uh, it's been such um, uh, such a blessing having you. you, you know, with me today and being able to uh, glean a lot of wisdom from your experience. And I know that uh, my listeners should be clapping for you right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're very kind. Thank you for the encouragement. It's a great honor to be with you in the ministry that God has through you. Thank you. Thank you very much. So thank you everyone for uh, for listening in and joining on the podcast, wherever you are hearing this, this or watching this, I just needed to know that God has a plan for your life. Uh, the grace of God is upon you. You're supposed to lead. You're supposed to make Jesus famous. You're supposed to have him in your corner, whether you're leading a business, working in a business, or, or, or you're in school. Whatever you do, put God first and lead like Jesus. Thank you for listening and God bless you.